you have a Bible with you today or an app on your phone, uh, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 9 this morning. Last week we uh, celebrated Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came upon those first followers after Jesus had gone back into heaven and the transformation that had happened as a result of the coming of the Spirit. And so this week we're going to sort of continue a little bit to think about what impact does the Spirit have on the lives of individuals. And as we move through this month of June, we, uh, we're going to look at the person of Paul through his story in Acts. And so we're going to start that today. And each Sunday through June, we'll be picking up a little bit of the story of Paul and uh, what happened to him as he too was filled with the Spirit, as he took the message of Jesus out into the world as he was uh, empowered to do that. So here's the beginning of his story, Acts chapter 9, and uh, we'll read from verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who will call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Amen. Keep that chapter open and uh, we're going to explore those few verses today. So here's someone just interrupted by the Spirit. You may have been interrupted by the Spirit before. You might have been in many different situations where suddenly you felt the power of, of God's Spirit upon you. And it has transformed maybe your life. Maybe it's transformed the direction your life has been going on or a decision that you were about to make. But there's no doubt for Paul in this most dramatic of incidents that he was interrupted by the Spirit. And what a person to, uh, for God to call on. Here's, here's Paul's testimony in Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, before the Spirit called him. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And who, in Luke's words, in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, 
began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged men and women and put them in prison. It's a remarkable story, isn't it? A transformation. A remarkable story of how God chooses a life that seems to be heading in one direction and completely reverses that person's journey. A 180 degree degree turn from one way to another. The encounter with Jesus. I'm guessing for most of us here today, because most of us have a similar story, that our journey of faith was a little less dramatic than that. Is that fair to say? Most of us? Not quite blinded by the light? There's a song there, isn't there, somewhere, is there? Yeah. Anyway, we better not go on that way, had we? Not quite that, but we did have a moment, probably. A moment when we began to realize, you know what, my life needs to head in a different direction. In fact, I'm going to choose to walk the way of Jesus. I'm going to commit my life. And today, you in this congregation are a witness to what God has done over many, many years. Because for most of us, we have been walking this way for many years. And we celebrate that, don't we? We celebrate the stories where lives have been changed, not as dramatically, but just as effectively. And the witness that we've been able to be over all those years. But this is a remarkable story nonetheless. And it's here to show us that that God can take any life and change it around completely. The people maybe we've given up with who we cannot believe that God could change them. And yet, the story is here for us. Where a man heading one direction changes to walk another way. And Christianity explodes around that Roman road as a result of that Roman, um, the Roman Empire as a result of what God did in that moment. The rest of his life, not persecuting but planting churches, from destroyer of the church to a disciple of Jesus. On his way to Damascus, 160 miles north of Jerusalem, and God lays hold of him. He's off to Damascus to lay hold of people, of followers of Jesus. But on the way, God lays hold of him, arrests him, turns him around, changes the course of history. And what is it we see here? Well, firstly, in Acts chapter 9, verse 4, we've got a name and a question. I love the fact that Jesus calls him by name. Saul. And then he says, why? Why do you persecute me? Saul, why? Why are you doing what you're doing? It's a great question, isn't it? To ask ourselves even, why am I doing what I'm doing? Times when we've perhaps gone our own way. Times when perhaps we have walked down a road that we know is not the right one that God is inviting us to. And we pause and we stop to say, why am I going this way? Saul, why? I love the fact that His name is known. I love the fact that that surprises him. I love the fact that it knocks him onto his back. But he has to wrestle with this question, why? And maybe that's a good question for any follower of Jesus. Why am I a follower of Jesus? Why is it that I've chosen to walk this way? And I think understanding what lies behind our journey actually helps us to make sense of it and perhaps find a new pathway into it as well because the why question digs deeper why am i well i've always been yeah but why why have you chosen to walk the way of jesus 
And Paul, suddenly a light shines on him. The man who has stood and watched Stephen be killed. You can read that earlier in Acts. But Jesus asks him, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you living this way? Why are you choosing to be destructive? There's something different. There's a new way of living. I want to call you to that. Perhaps it's good for us to answer that question, to take stock, even to say, why am I where I am today? And to understand that there's a, a God who wants to call you into a different place. Perhaps Jesus needs to arrest you. Perhaps he needs to lay hold of you. And perhaps he needs to point you in a different way. I love the fact that Jesus hasn't given up on Saul that he knows his name, no matter he's walking a different way. But he hasn't given up on us either. And he knows your name today. And then what's Paul's response in in verse 5? Who are you, Lord? Now, I don't think he's saying Lord in a sense of, you're my master today. It's almost like, who are you, sir? Because he doesn't know who he is. But he wants to know. There's an eagerness for him to know. And so he asks this most important question, who are you? It's a great question that many people in their journey of faith start with as well. They want to find out who Jesus is. You may have been in situations, maybe through an alpha course or maybe through many other different ways where people have been wanting to know who Jesus is. It's a deep desire among people that you know, maybe you work with, maybe family members you have. And there's a desire there. Who are you? And the beautiful response and the very simple response comes to Saul. I am Jesus. It's as simple as that, isn't it? It's the compelling answer that lies at the heart of faith. The complexity of questions almost gets knocked down by that simplicity of the answer. I am Jesus. And when we come back to the heart of of our faith... It's about Jesus. I am Jesus. Now, I think when Jesus said that, I am, I'm sure Paul's mind would have gone straight back to Exodus. He would have known the story in Exodus where God revealed himself to Moses. I am who I am. And so Saul, with all his background, with all his knowledge of Scripture, is zealous for it. He would have thought, wow, there's something different going on here. I am Jesus. And as Saul is, is blinded by this, he has three days to think about what does this mean. He's going to Damascus to take prisoners and instead Jesus takes him prisoner for three days in the darkness of his own life made to stop and take stock of where he was in that moment. I am Jesus. And perhaps today, it's worth remembering the simplicity of the call upon our lives. The focus of our attention, the desires of our heart is Jesus. Acts chapter 9 verse 10. We, we switch to another scene, another person, a name and a response. Ananias. Ananias. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, exclamation mark. Not a question mark, an exclamation mark. 
There's another unlikely person in this story. Just a person on his knees praying gets a vision. Can happen to all of us if we take that time to be in his presence. Imagine Ananias' surprise at being called in the first place, hearing his name, but then secondly being told that he has a part in, in transforming Saul's life. All he has heard about Saul of Tarsus for, is about threats, is about persecution, is about destruction, is about destroying the church. How would you feel if you're asked to do something for somebody who seems to be the most unlikely person? But Jesus wants Ananias to start seeing Saul in the same way as he sees him. It's not only Saul who needs to encounter Jesus. Ananias needs to encounter Jesus as well. He needs his heart changed to see the possibilities of what is being laid out before him. But what a response. The response of a follower of Jesus. Ananias, yes, Lord. The ready response, if only your kids had said that to you over the years, straight away. But Ananias says, yes, Lord, straight away. Not why, not can you wait a bit, you've got to be joking, just yes, Lord. The response of someone who is open to what God wants to do, even if it's outside our experience of him so far. He was reluctant, he was unsure. He didn't think that God had the right handle on who Paul was. But when God said go, Ananias went. See, when you say yes, Lord, the only response is, go, is to go. You can't say yes, Lord, and then say no. You're saying, Lord, Lord, you are number one. You are the one I am following. You can't then say no after that. And so Ananias makes his clear response to go, to go and meet this man, to go and be part of God's plan. Hearing that this man, Saul, is to be God's chosen instrument to carry his name. What a beautiful privilege it is to carry the name of Jesus. And everywhere we go, whatever it is you're doing this week, you are carrying the name of Jesus with you. In whatever situation, in whatever conversation, in whatever decision you make, you are carrying the name of Jesus with you. We all know what carrying a name looks like. We were born to carry a name. We get a response and the commission to go. I expect you've recommended several restaurants to people that you know. I expect you've recommended several places for people to go and walk. I expect you've recommended several schools that you consider are good schools. You've carried the name of all of those. We know what it is to carry a name. But what about carrying the name of Jesus? He's counting on you and me to continue to carry his name into the places that he's called us to be. Here's the response and here's the commission that comes in verse 15 and 16. Go, you're my chosen instrument. Carry the name of Jesus. As we continue through the story of Saul who becomes Paul over this month, I pray that each of us will be challenged by how God can take a person that he knows the name of, 
and how he can redirect their life and how he can give them the tasks to do to carry his name. It is that simple. It's that simple as we take the name of Jesus with us this week to the places he's called us to be. Will you say yes? Will you say yes, Lord, with a readiness and a willingness to follow his way? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you call the unlikely to do the unimaginable. To do your will, to fulfill your purposes. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and fill each of us today. You'll find a readiness in our hearts to be obedient to your voice. To be people who will say, yes, Lord, and respond to what it is that we hear you saying. Thank you that you know our names. Thank you that you died on a cross for us to give us life in all its fullness. Fill us again, I pray, so that wherever we go this coming week, we will overflow with your life and with your love into the lives of those you've called us to go to. Use us, we pray. May our hearts be ready and willing. In your name, Jesus, we give you thanks. Amen. Amen.